Fuck it, the mic is on. By the way, a little legal stuff. All views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely the views of Michael Hall. None of these views reflect any of the views of any company or association that Mr. Hall is affiliated with. So don't try nothing shady. And also there's a lot of explicit raw content in here. So please be advised, parental advisory. Enjoy the podcast. What's up, man? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you okay. Can you hear me good? Yeah, I can hear you great. So what's up, man? Just letting you know that fucking mic is on, so you are being recorded. You're talking to me, so I just want you to know that. Don't say nothing to incriminate yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if if the world is supposed to know about your whereabouts. I know where you're at, but how's life been since you've transitioned over to South America? I'll I'll leave it as uh, unspecific as possible right now. Well, I'll give you the short breakdown of it. I uh, I left the U.S. in officially left the U.S. September 11, 2011. Right. I remember that day perfectly because I was driving to the airport and I remember hearing about the you know the 10th anniversary of the September 11th attack, and it and it's I remember thinking at the time it's like scary day to get on a plane, but it was more of a reminder of why I wanted to get on a plane and get out of here. Mm. <laughs> that's deep um and thankfully you know nothing crazy like that's happened but it, it everything that's happened in the u.s with the current political situation the terrorism everything that's happening in the u.s more and more my uh, my decision from well uh, nine years ago at this point is more and more valid mm. so uh so yeah i've been living in in colombia mostly uh, spending my time between Colombia, Jamaica, and Mexico for the last uh, 12 years. Um, officially made the move in 2011. And I have zero complaints. I miss absolutely nothing from America. Absolutely nothing. I get here and I, and I get here and I'm great. You know, I'm happy to see my mom, my family, all my friends, everything out here. But within 24 hours, I remember, oh, that's why I left. This place is fucking crazy. Wow. And I mean, you have such a stereotype <laughs> about South America, especially when you talk about Colombia and everything. You know, you have this overview like, oh, it got to be this. It's just crime everywhere. You know, we got we got movies that dictate a lot of things. You got media that dictate a lot of things. But uh, Dorrance is down there, too. And he says the same thing. He just loves yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've actually met up with Dorrance once or twice already. And okay. uh, uh, he's actually throwing a party, I think. Um, like a big old mansion type party uh, at the beginning of January, so I'm definitely gonna try to be back over there. Oh, I definitely uh, need yeah, to be looking it, at tickets. That, that, That's what I need to be doing. JetBlue Spirit, three hundred dollars round trip. I tell all my friends they have they have zero excuses. The exact same amount of money they would have spent on a round trip to New York, they can take a round trip to my to Medellin. Bro, that's a round trip you know? to Tallahassee. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Being honest with you, that's how much <laughs> I would have to spend just to get back to the crib and still have to drive an hour and a half. Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, I mean, that's one of the, like, I got to say, it's one of the actual benefits of living in South America, living in Medellin, is that everybody thinks that it's so dangerous, this, oh, no, you can't go over there. And then, like, keep thinking that way. Keep thinking that way and don't, and don't, don't you know, come and mess it, don't up, mess for it you. up for Exactly. But, 
I will say this, that, you know, I've been living in Colombia since 2011, 2012, and it was paradise, and it still is paradise. But literally the day, to the day that the peace agreements were signed between the the civil guerrilla war fighters in Colombia, because not a lot of people know Colombia was in a civil war for 60 years that basically ended in 2016. Oh. The longest running civil war in the history of this side of the planet. Um, not a lot of people know that. Um, and the ceasefire, the, the war ended, I want to say it was April of 2016. And the amount of direct foreign investment and the amount of foreigners that have come to, to Colombia, uh, Medellin specifically, but Colombia in general, it's, it's mind boggling the amount of people that have just shown up because now it's like, oh, now we can go. When in reality, they've always been able to go, you know. So are the prices uh, skyrocketing again, or like is the housing still cheap? Is everything still cheap? Well, here's a beautiful thing. A lot of people in Medellin will say, oh, no, the prices are are extreme. Prices are extreme. And I would admit that the prices are starting to get a little high for what it is. But when you look at a a statistical point of view, there is no other place in the world that has a thriving metropolis, a completely – perfectly useful public transportation system that actually works. Yeah, I think that's Zero another thing Dora said. He doesn't have a car down there. Yeah, no, I don't have a car. I get chauffeured around everywhere I go. Boy, y'all are... I get chauffeured around everywhere I go. Ubers, private cars, taxis, whatever it is. But, like, if you look at it, if you look at all the major cities around the world, uh, and you start checking off boxes, absolutely excellent public transportation system. Colombia is the only one in the world that has a train system, a tram system, elevated skylifts, integrated buses, and light rail. That's the only system in the world that has all the systems integrated. Um, I can get from one end of the city to another end of the city in about 25 minutes, maybe 35 minutes tops. And that's during rush hour traffic. Um, the women, I don't even, you know, I'll let Dawn tell you all about that. But... Um, <laughs> The women is something else, but the cost of living is, you know, it, it, it's not even for me, it's not even the cost of living anymore. It's the simple things in life. Like uh, I was born and raised in Miami, but a lot of my family and a lot of my friends from South Florida aren't, weren't born and raised out here. They were raised in Haiti or Dominican Republic right, or Puerto right. Rico or Mexico. And we have, we have these flashbacks of our childhood of playing in the streets, you know, get, you know, while it's raining and, you know, being kids, you know, riding around playing with sticks and riding, riding, you know, ten-year-old used bicycles and just having the time of my life, time of our lives. People in America don't do that anymore. Whereas, you know, there there's a there's a simple quality of life that I find down there that I, no matter how hard I've looked in the United States, I don't find it. When I get into an elevator in the states, nobody really says hello, good afternoon, good morning, how you doing? Um, you know, when when uh, you know, nobody knows their neighbor's name here in America. In Colombia, not only do I know my neighbor's name, I know my neighbor's grandmother, and I get drunk with my neighbor's grandma almost every Friday wow. because she's just a cool-ass lady. Like, there's there's a saying in Spanish that's called calor humano, which translates to human heat, uh, but it really means more like warmth of life, like quality of life. And I don't feel... Unless you have a real tight knit circle of friends in the U.S., I don't feel that society in general is uh, 
cares for the simple things in life anymore. Not today. For seeing little kids, for, you know, kids being able to play in the streets, have it, just sit down and have a conversation with your neighbor. Uh, those little basic things, you know, those are the things that, that I love living, that I love the fact that I live in Colombia. And as far as like the, the violence and, and all, I've been mugged at gunpoint in New York and in Miami. No, not, that hasn't happened to me in Medellin at all. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like that, and obviously everybody's explanation, everybody's experiences are different. Um, but I love living down there. I mean, obviously it's easy for me because both my parents are Colombian. I speak Spanish fluently and it's easy for me. But you just said like Dorrance doesn't speak Spanish. Well, at least he didn't he speak Spanish good when he moved down there. But he's running his business completely online, having the time of his life, and nobody, his clients, his business partners, nobody really cares that he's in Colombia, or they don't even know. And you know, most of my customers have no idea that my business is completely 100% operated in Colombia and Panama. What you know, exactly? The only thing I have here. What are you doing now, though? What exactly are you doing? Because we haven't talked in a while. I mean, you left a whole different, a print empire, so we had to shift our whole game when you left. I mean, you had such a well, a, 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 a sound business. What exactly are you doing? And it seems like mentally, I, I don't even have to ask the question. I think all my entrepreneur friends that might be listening in, it seems like mentally you already you already have cleared your head. Like it's already paid its benefits 10 times over for you mentally as an entrepreneur. Oh yeah, most definitely. It was, it was, um, let me, let me preface this by I'm a, I'm a, I I personally deal with depression a lot and I'm ADHD and I've always had, uh, I guess, uh, a difficulty, you know, coming to realization with that and grasping that. And I'm sure, Anybody that's listening in that's an entrepreneur that is out there grinding, they always have that self-doubt. Uh, depression and HDHD, ADHD runs rampant in the in the entrepreneurial yeah, world. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you as a friend on the phone, and I'm also looking for a 370Z at the same time. We just have to do multiple things. I get it. But now yeah, I'm, I'm thinking I'm, how this car would feel if it was in Colombia. I would feel great down there driving this car. So, <laughs> Well... <laughs> Well, the thing is, is, as far as my business is concerned, believe it or not, Mike, my business hasn't changed at all. I mean, I have other businesses now, but wow. we still do design and print, um, just that I'm no longer physically here. And instead of only having one warehouse, I now have partners that have 17 warehouses across the U.S. I, con- I continue to print for uh, large corporations like Carnival Cruise Line, uh, Domino's Pizza, uh, Papa John's, Yogurtology, McDonald's, uh, a couple of other different brands that we do all their in-store marketing materials, stuff like that. And um, yeah, none of them know or even care that I live in South America. Uh, all the operational stuff, all the design stuff, all the administration, billing, customer service, everything is done by my, my team of seven people that I have in between Panama and Colombia. And my partners handle all the production stuff of the actual printing, packaging, shipping, uh, all the logistics of the physical products here in America. I basically became an outsourcer. I basically became a drop shipper. And, um, you know, I thought in the initial, like, wow, this is going to be tough. I'm not making as much money as I was before. Mm. But with, with no longer having to pay for an office of $3,500 a month, no longer having to pay uh, American salaries, 
I can pay my my workers in Colombia triple what they would normally make for a Colombian company and still save almost 50% of what I would have paid an American employee. So you make and, your moves and you get a higher level of loyalty because you get to pay your employees more. Exactly. And as a personal benefit, the added benefit that a lot of entrepreneurs, I feel like this is, this is the silver lining that makes running a digital business so enticing nowadays. It's a four-letter word, a four-letter abbreviation that not a lot of people know. It's the F-E-I-E, the Foreign Earned Income Exclusion. That piece of legislation has basically changed my life. And I don't so you know. Gotta you got to explain that to me more. No, actually, I don't, but I definitely think I might be doing something different in my life. Come down there and adopt me a Colombian kid and live a whole different life. Tell me about this FEIE. <laughs> the FEIE stands for the Foreign Earned Exclusion, uh, Foreign Earned Income Exemption. And it's a U.S. law and it's, at, and it's 100% legit. And in order to qualify for the exemption, you have to pass one of two tests. The first test is a physical presence test, meaning that you can only be physically in the United States for a maximum of 35 days uh, per 365 days. For every year, you can only be in the U.S. for 35 days. Okay. The other way, the other way to uh, qualify for the exclusion is have the bona fide residency test. Pass the bona fide residency test. It basically means you're a resident of another country, whether it be Mexico, Panama, Colombia, whatever country in the world. You open a bank account, you got a visa, you bought a car, you have a long-term lease, whatever, you know, X, Y, Z things work to make you have that bona fide physical residency in another country. If you can get one of those two things, now I qualify for both, so for me it's a little bit easier. But long story short, I think for 2019, the cap is $128,500, which basically means for every uh, entrepreneur out there, you can make $128,000 next year and pay zero taxes on it. Now, is that $128,000 in personal revenue? Can't you move that differently if it stays within the business but never comes to you directly? Now, that would now. That's where, you know, you always need to speak with an accountant to okay. get up your legal situation, your tax situation set up. But basically, um, if you have an escort, you know, your the money that your business bank is separate from you. If you have a single member LLC like I do, mm-hmm. all the profits the business makes are basically my profits. They're my the an LLC is what's called a pass through entity. Whereas, you know, the the company makes a hundred G's, let's say. Mm-hmm. spends 80 G's and the profit is 20 G's. Therefore, Sebastian's profit, my profit, is just 20 G's, right? Okay. Um, now, let's say my profit was $129,000. I would not pay any taxes on the first $128,500 because I am either not in the U.S. for more than 35 days or I'm physically in I can physically present that I am a resident of another country. For me, it's a little different because I'm a citizen of both countries. So I have the physical residency test in Colombia, but I don't spend more than six months out of the year in Colombia. I spend six months out of the year in Colombia, a month and a half, two months out of the year here in the U.S. And the rest of the time, I'm fucking off in Jamaica or Mexico or Panama or wherever the hell I want to go. 
And I do it that way to basically, because I'm a Colombian citizen, Colombia also taxes me on my worldwide income if I'm in Colombia for more than six months out of the year. So now, you know, I, I am a digital nomad. I'm, I, I have no real home. But as far as the U.S. is concerned, I'm a resident of Colombia because I have property out there, I have out there, I have business out there and all that stuff. As far as Colombia is concerned, even though I'm a citizen, I'm not a resident because I'm only there six months out of the year. So therefore, I don't really pay any taxes in America or in the U.S. or in Colombia. And this is no way, you know, I'm not doing anything shady. I'm not doing anything out of the ordinary. Right. I already this said, don't system, incriminate yourself. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> this system, the, the, the Foreign Earned Income Exemption Act, is one of the key things that makes a digital entrepreneur's life possible. I was having this conversation, uh, a conversation earlier today, actually, with a friend of mine about Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and how their inventions and their, uh, their forward thinking allow the kind of lifestyle that I lead, like Dorrance leads, like you lead, like, uh, like Dante leads, mm-hmm. where we can run successful businesses from a laptop and a cell phone anywhere in the world. Right. And speaking of, I'm upgrading to an Apple 16, I mean, a 16 inch, because I was like, oh, let's get another iMac. But then I was like, I don't want to be stuck in the house. I just need a powerful laptop so I can be on the go. So I I literally just bought one. I literally just bought one yesterday because I was I was considering like I want to do some real badass video graphics. And I think I'll get an iMac. That's exactly why we do. And then I'm like, but if I get an iMac, then I got to be at, you know, in that office, I can't carry that thing around where I, you know, when I want to go on vacation, when I want to do this, when I want to do that. Like for example, um, there's this company called Nomad Cruise, and I've been on their cruises like three different times, and it's a digital entrepreneur cruise where you meet up with a, anywhere between 150 to 250 different entrepreneurs doing all sorts of things: taxes, CPAs, e-commerce, running affiliate marketing websites, creative agencies, you know, 100% online. And you sail the ocean. The last one that I did was from Athens to Dubai. We crossed uh, the Suez Canal. We stopped in Port Alexandria. We stopped in uh, uh, Muscat, Oman. We stopped in Addis Ababa, Jordan. And we finished in Dubai. And I met 243 different entrepreneurs from all over the world doing all sorts of different shit. And really cool stuff at that. Like some guys are designing backpacks for traveling around the world another girl was uh sourcing um she does some something really cool she has ugandan um single mother she started an organization in uganda where she funds the education of an orphanage of like 800 kids with the work that she designs brazilian style bikini uh in brazil but she has them made by ugandan single mothers like in Uganda. And it's a whole like a social enterprise kind of thing where she's making money, but she's also giving back to a community that's helped her out so much and allows her to run this business basically from her cell phone. That's just one example of the kind of opportunities that, that, you know, the internet and modern technology have given us. And I feel like it's almost like my responsibility to make people realize like you don't have to get that regular nine to five. You don't have to be stuck in traffic an hour and a half in the morning and two and a half hours in the afternoon. You don't have to be upset about paying taxes. Whereas, you know, I basically live 
off of the money that I would pay in taxes to the U.S., I basically covered covers all my basic living expenses outside of the country, and I have the time of my life. <laughs> hmm. I mean, like I, I'm I'm sending a text letting Alicia know, letting Dante know uh, we're going to Colombia soon as like maybe January. Like hearing you talk about it, because you know every time we talk, there's something always comes up, but we normally just chatting through um, through Facebook. But, like, I'm not trying to be funny by saying this, so I hope you don't take this any kind of way, but I can hear it in your voice. Does that make sense? Like, I can hear the happiness and the enthusiasm in your voice. This sounds to me kind of <laughs> kind of reminiscent of when we called you eight years ago and we had some stuff getting printed or, you know, and you kind of gave us these ideas or 12 years ago when we were just getting in the game and hearing you talk about some of those projects, it was like, oh, we, we going the right way. I hear that same kind of enthusiasm and you're only talking about living life. And that's like, even if I just get a dose of that every month until I can make the move or until I decide to make that move, like I literally just shut down the window looking at disease and I'm like, yeah, I don't need that additional car payment or that additional insurance. I need to be spending $300 on some trips because you still got the five bedroom house that you were living in. I now live in a four-bedroom, three-bathroom, two-story, uh, two-balcony penthouse overlooking the uh, – I'm smack in the middle of the valley. I'll send you a picture when we hang up uh, from the view from my balcony. Um, but I live smack in the middle of the city. My rent – and everybody that's standing up, sit down. Everybody that's driving their car, pull over and park because y'all going to be floored by what I'm about to say. Again, I live in a five-bedroom, four-bathroom, two-story – Two balcony penthouse apartment. I have a jacuzzi on my balcony. And I pay six hundred and fifty dollars a month. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Six fifty. Six hundred and fifty U.S. dollars a month in rent. Bro, that's what we pay in health insurance. My health insurance down there for the most premium premium coverage is ninety five dollars a month. Say that again. And this is the part that's really, and this is the part that's really going to floor you. My uh, full-time maid that cooks and cleans and irons and makes whatever I want her to make for me that day, that works with my nutritionist to make sure I'm eating healthy. I pay her thirty-five dollars <laughs> a day. So you have a maid with a nutritionist, and I mean, yes, it, it makes sense. So you you you're not doing anything. You're pretty much living the life of a king. And it makes sense because I, whatever you're I spending plan, on her. When I moved, when I moved down to Columbia, I had the semi goal of basically semi retiring. Now I don't know if you know this. Not a lot of people know this, but when I was working with you and I was working with Jones, my old business partner, um, after me and after our business basically fell apart because we lost a lot of customers, I started doing my own thing. Three and a half months later, I had a mouth. I had a, I can't remember what the medical term was, but long story short is I had a small stroke. I was 26 at the time. And the doctors told me it was a high amount of stress and my diet. I was literally killing myself. I had a cholesterol of like 280 something and definitely not healthy whatsoever. So when I left America, I had maybe $20,000 in savings. And I told myself, I'm like, I really don't give a fuck at this point. I need to take care of myself. So I'm basically going to semi-retire. If the business fails, 
fuck it. The business fails. My health is more important. My peace of mind is more important. Absolutely. And um, I literally I just outpriced myself on three projects because of that, bro. Exactly what you said. Like somebody Thanks. called me at the end and I was like, bro, I'm supposed to be on vacation. This is my price. If I can't run payroll with whatever project y'all want me to do, I don't care what your budget is. My budget is payroll. If I can't run payroll, I don't want to do it. I haven't heard from them, but it was just my peace of mind. Exactly, exactly. And my peace of mind just made it important, more important for me to be able to wake up and enjoy waking up and not dreading like, oh, man, I got to come up with the money for the employees. Oh, my God, this customer didn't pay me. But, damn, the vendors are still asking me for $25,000 deposit. And, damn, rent's due next month. Shit, I don't got nothing in the fridge. I literally, you know, for three and a half months, the last three and a half months that I was in America, I was eating bologna sandwiches and ramen noodles because I couldn't afford anything else. Because for me, the most important thing was, you know, to make sure that if I have employees, I'm the last person that eats. They're the ones that are making me the money. They're the ones that are working. So I have to make sure that their money's always on deck. And it just, I was killing myself. I was literally killing myself. So now you so slammed up, you smiling, and you got somebody cooking for you and taking care of you, and you got too many rooms to even stay in. <laughs> and and remember when I, when I said I, my plan was to semi-retire, right. and I basically did that for about two and a half years, but then I got bored. And I started doing things and I started talking to people and meeting people and looking at different different strategies of making money and this and that, the other. And without me really trying, I've started three other businesses in Colombia, but I've done them in a way where they don't need this. The businesses are pretty much automated. They don't make a lot of money, you know. They don't they don't you know, they're not making million dollars a month or nothing like that. Uh, but the businesses are growing slowly but surely recession-proof businesses automated uh, operated by Colombians, and um and i'm enjoying life now you know i i go out to have lunch at one o'clock in the afternoon with a with a friend of mine just to have lunch not because i want to make money off of him not because i'm trying to figure out what his next strategy is just because i haven't seen homie in a while i want to go have lunch with him just to sit now and eat and talk yeah, about nothing related at all to do with business. Nowhere near, nowhere near anything to do with business. Uh-huh. And every time I come back to Miami, I've been in Miami now four days, five days. And it's great to see my mom. It's great to see my family and all that stuff, but I want to go home. <laughs> and I mean, the funny thing for me is, like I'm hearing you talking, it's like, okay, 35 days. I don't even see my family 35 days now because, like I said, it's just as expensive for me to fly to you as it is to fly to them. And, um, you know, I talk to my mom every Sunday, maybe sometimes during the week. I actually got to call my father back. He called me today. We talk maybe once a month. You know, we don't talk that much. And it's not that I don't love my family, just kind of the way we grew up. You know, we don't have we don't have a connection uh, where we have, we've always been around up under each other that much. It, it's just how it was. I'm not saying I approve of that, but the distance between us. But yeah, yeah. it seems like it, I could retire it, it, yeah. and just be an artist in Colombia because honestly, man, that's the goal tonight. The goal tonight is to go get some great food with Alicia, go sit down, get some food, eat somewhere, and just come home and start sketching and painting. Like, I just want to be an artist again. I, I get everything that's going on, but I feel like some of the talent I have, 
is just not being appreciated in a way that motivates me to continue to want to just grind out for people just to give them what they want versus people wanting to create something amazing. And that could be selfish. And actually, and I, I know it's selfish, but it's just the selfishness in me. But that's fine. You know, I, you know, I, I, I'm very, I'm a very selfish person. I, I ain't going to lie, but it's a, it's a selfishness that in order for me to be the best that I can be to do whatever the hell that I want to do, I first need to be happy. Right. And, if I'm happy, if I'm con- if I'm content with what I'm doing, where my life is going, everyone around me is going to feed off of that vibe, is going to feed off of that energy, whether they're physically next to me or whether they're working with me 3,000 miles away. Either way, they're like, like, they going to get that work. They're going to feel that energy. Yeah, I can hear it in your voice. I mean, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not capping. I can hear no, it in no, your no, voice. No. You know, there's... There, there's a, a, a huge weight that's been lifted off my shoulders and I, I hate to admit it, but it's the monetary weight of, of keeping up with the Joneses here in the States. I see all my friends, they, you know, everybody's got an iPhone watch. Everybody's got an iPhone. Everybody's got a brand new 2019, 2020 car. Everybody looks like they're doing good. But as soon as like I start talking to them, I realize. They're wasting four hours out of their day stuck in traffic to a job they absolutely detest. To go buy a drink at a club to be stunned, to be seen with everybody. And then they got to worry about how the hell they're going to pay that $500 credit card bill. You know, I, 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 I keep a little silence after that because I know that I just touched on a lot of people that are probably listening right now. Right. And that fuck all that <laughs> i mean truthfully with what you're saying you can't even do what you want to do to enjoy life it's just pressure consistent pressure because it because in this in this country the social pressure to exceed to do better to keep going forward don't get me wrong it's a great thing i was born and raised in miami i've got that hustle mentality it's you know it's even hard for me to turn it off to just chill but i've realized that it's the last thing that I should be focused on. I should be focused on having a better relationship with myself, with my mental energy, with my mental health, focusing on having better relationships with my family, with my friends, with my significant other. You know, those types of things are much, much more important than having the 2020 Lexus versus the 20. 16 but I mean, you, you said whatever. a word there because it's, it's what people talk about. Everybody wants to talk about, you know, mental wellness and everything. But it's like nobody's doing anything to fix that mental wellness. It's just the it's, it's almost, almost like another buzz. It's almost word. like a social status. It's almost become like a social status on who's more mentally fucked up than the next person. It's like I got the ADHD. Well, guess what? I'm bipolar. Right. Guess what? I've got anorexia. Guess what? I was in a war and I got shot off and I can't sleep at night. Like, y'all bragging about not having good mental health? Like, I'm not trying to, like, criticize anybody. I get it. I've got mental health issues. Mike, you've got, everybody's got mental health issues. <laughs> Say word. But, I, but it doesn't seem to me, but it doesn't seem to me like the right idea is to build your ego up on the fact that you have mental health issues. It would seem to me that it's counterproductive that instead of happy being happy that you have mental health issues, actually try to work on them, change your lifestyle. You know, I, I, I have, 
have a couple of uh, apartments in Medellin that I rent out to, to foreigners. And there was a, a foreigner, I want to say he was from Detroit. Not exactly sure where, um, but he was telling me he was having health issues. Uh, he's got gout and he's got a whole bunch of stuff and he's overweight. And I'm like, yo, fam, when was the last time you ate a salad? Like not trying to criticize him, like not trying to be a dick and all, but I was like, have you looked at the lifestyle you're leading in America? Like, what did you have for dinner the night before you flew out? He's like, I had a Wendy's hamburger. And I looked at him and I'm like, Sam, you're telling me what you, what you need to be listening to yourself. Like, you're complaining about your health issues. But at the same time, you're telling me you just had a double stack at Wendy's. Yeah, you're telling me you're dying, but you're setting the bomb off yourself. Like, you ain't doing nothing to make this better. So, and again, this is not a, this is not a criticism for people. Everybody's going through their stuff, but... It, like I woke up when I left America. I woke up and I realized, like, yo, th- th- there's something wrong with that place. There's something wrong that that lets you forget about the life's important things, and it's only about the superficial stuff. And it's, life is not like that at all. Life is. It sounds corny as hell, but life is about stopping on a motorcycle trip to smell flowers. I do that. You know, life is about. Sitting, you know, having a, having a restaurant meal and a cheap beer with a complete stranger and just shooting the shit. That's life. Not, uh, I mean, I'm getting you know, chills because what you're saying is true because it's like, you know, but you're saying it in a, a layered thing. You're not saying don't live life and enjoy things because it's, it's a motorcycle trip, but enjoy the motorcycle trip. Like I was just telling my um, homeboy David, like now when I go to the gym, I will sit on the bench and wipe myself off, take my gloves off, think about the workout, log the workout. And for a lot of people, that may not seem like nothing, but for as an entrepreneur, we always think in a minute wasted is a minute wasted. So you you normally would do that stuff in the car, headed home to trying to send that next email or do it in the car so you could check the messages. Like now, the phone stays in the bag until I get to the house and I'm disarming my alarm. And that's only... Thank you. You, You're only talking about six minutes of time, but that six minutes of six minutes of time that I've given to myself, where in my mindset, especially hanging around lawyers, we used to look at six minutes and 15 minutes as billable hours. So you're talking about untraining, exactly, untraining my mind to enjoy my life because I just worked out to make my life better. Let me sit there and process it. And here's the and here's the other part for the for the statisticians for the people that like numbers like myself. There is no quantifiable way to measure the benefit that that mentality that you just mentioned brings to your life. The value add is so great that you can't even quantify it. Those six minutes, those seven minutes that you're 100% focused and dedicated on your workout. And not worried about the phone call, not worried about that email, not worried about payroll. Those six, seven minutes that are 100% focused on you have a ripple compounding effect on the remainder of your life. That there is no way to quantify them. It is because it's, it's a different, because for me, what I realized is a different level of happiness. It's a, it's a level of patience to hear bad news and process it and say, okay, maybe that deal just wasn't for me or, Hey, I need to keep increasing my value because I'm attracting the work I really want. Or it becomes also, like you said, with a significant other 
hey, I'm not having the arguments I used to have. Those arguments have now turned into discussions and those discussions have turned into progression in life because I'm not mad about everything. I'm not thinking everything is about money and time. I'm thinking everything is about the present. How can I enjoy the present? And if I can't enjoy the present, it's not going to mean anything. Oh, yeah, and I know what you're about to say, and that's exactly why the only destination is death. The only thing that's guaranteed is that one day I'm going to die. But what I do while I'm here is up to me. And that is something that I'm personally fighting now. I'm seeing it in front of my own eyes. I think you've told you about this. You know, uh, 2019 for me is a great year because this is the year my grandma celebrated her 100th birthday. Mm. She's still alive and she's still kicking ass. And she's still asking, where's my shot of whiskey? Mm. But she's not, she not, she's not asking for that shot of whiskey like she used to with that same fire. I'm seeing, I'm seeing her bad days where she has a hard time remembering my name or who I am mm-hmm. or what she ate yesterday. And uh, just yesterday, I had a conversation with her, and she's like, "Why am I still here?" Mm. And that was, that was, it, it, it hit me, it hit me. And because she was dying, like she was, you know, she's a hundred years old. She's like, "Why am I still here?" And without thinking about it. My, my immediate response to her is because you still got a long way to go. And she looks at me and she's like, you're damn right. And you don't even you're know what right. long she's, itself could be relative, but she still, every day can be a long day. You just got to enjoy that day. And my grandma is, is one of those people. My grandma was orphaned when she was three years old. And, uh, and she had a very, very rough beginning of life. Uh, starting out and you can just imagine being an orphan, but then compound that you, you know, you're an orphan in a town that has, doesn't even have electricity. Like think about that for a second. You know, I mean, I, and get it. I was born in 1919 and out of all the stuff that she's been through, she does not have a single complaint in life, man. I get it, man. My, my great grandmother is anything. My great grandmother is 101. So yeah, 19, 1918. And um wow. so wow. she still walks around. She still remembers me. She still has her jokes. Uh she was always very witty, witty and sarcastic in a great way. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And um to and hear my what grandma, you're saying. My grandma's sense. starting to like it's 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 painful to watch because you know her her body is basically breaking down yeah. little by little slowly but surely it's happening I'm seeing it in, happen in front of my eyes and every time like I get a chance to have a conversation with her we get deep in conversation um, it's never a regret of something that she did it's always a regret of something that she didn't do when she had the chance. Mm. Mm. And uh, not, you know, not a regret. Like I wish I could have, I, I wish I would have done that. Or, you know, she's like, "What if? What if I would have done that? What if I would have taken that trip?" You know, all the what ifs. Uh, my mother left Colombia when she was 26, and if she hadn't done that, what if I wouldn't be here probably. You know, and I wouldn't have had the benefits of growing up in America that I, I have, you know, you know, my, my cousins that grew up in South America, your cousins that grew up, you know, in other parts of the world, like they didn't get blessed with the same opportunities that we have. You know, just because we're American citizens, we've got access to one of the most powerful banking institutions and uh, economies around the world. 
we've got that to our benefit. We can use that anywhere we are. So if you're not taking advantage of all the things that life is thrown at you, you need to shut the fuck up and get, work, get to work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my grandmother was a sharecropper, so it's not like she had it easy. And we had acres of land taken away from us. Um, that a lot of that, same well, thing, same thing. a lot of that, my father just reclaimed uh, with the family. Maybe I don't know, probably less than ten years ago. So you talking about for you, man. eighty for plus you. years trying to get some land back, and we still don't have all of it because the land was valuable because of the pine trees um, for the paper mill. So you know they harvest wow. the trees and everything. So um, I know exactly Good for you. what you my mean. Grandma, my grandmother lost. 3,700 hectares during the Civil War in Columbia. We're talking roughly the size of three times the size of Miami Beach. Um, lost. lost. Wow. It was it was my mother and, and all my aunts inherited. We're, we're never going to get that back. You know, no matter, I've, I've, t- trust me, I've done the research, I've spoken with lawyers, like, it's not worth it for me to fight to get it back. It's, I'm better. I'm better off investing the money in something else. But it's like just going back to the thing of you know you really do only truly live life once. Take advantage of absolutely everything. Your mother was your your grandmother was a sharecropper, and thanks to the turmoil and sweat that she went through, and the stuff that your father went through, you can afford to live a lifestyle now that your mother, your father, your grandmother would only have dreamt of. You know what I'm saying? They would have never, ever in their wildest dreams been able to think that they would be able to live the lifestyle that you do. But it's thanks to their work, you know? Yeah, I mean, my, I mean, my dad got the benefit of it. It's, I definitely, the work ethic I have is from my father, but, you know, I think some of the stress he went through is more hidden because I remember when I was getting to the point like him where it was like, go to work, come home, have a drink, go to sleep. You know, no interaction, no life. And um, he did that for years. He made those sacrifices, but it put turmoil on him and my mother, at least from my perspective, because I think about it. They didn't do things to enjoy life. You know what I'm saying? It was a work and come home and maybe do something on the weekend, not a work and come home and live. And I find myself in that same thing where I'm like, okay, at least on a Friday, we got to go out and do something. On a Saturday, let's go try something. On Friday night, maybe, or Wednesday night, let's go to the gym together. Let's just get out of this house I and remember, go enjoy life. I remember when I was growing up, I would get home from school and we had to be quiet because my dad was sleeping because he would get home from his first job at two o'clock in the afternoon. He would sleep for three hours mm. and he'd wake up at five, deal with traffic to go to his second job. And he'd get out of work at his second job at 930 at night. Then he'd go to his third job and work from 10 o'clock at night till two o'clock in the morning. Then he'd get home, sleep for four hours, and then start the whole process all over again. Mm. Nothing against my pops, but I don't remember having a relationship with my pops How for the first 15, 16 years of my life because he was never there because he was working. Yeah. You know, and and on Saturdays, all he wanted to do was just sleep because that's all he didn't have any energy. And because of, you know, financial situation, this, that, the other, we never were really able to afford to do things. And my mother, you know, found out, you know, my mother was like, nah, we got to do something. Let's go to a park. Let's go to a picnic. Let's do whatever. Right. And my father just, he just didn't have the energy. He just didn't have the energy because he was exhausted. 
exhausted from just surviving and, and providing for us. And so speaking started, of energy, you know, go ahead, go ahead. I'm gonna, I'll, get, I'll get back to it. Go ahead. I don't so, want to so when I was when I was uh, when I saw myself, you know, when I was running my business in Fort Lauderdale, and I was realizing I was getting home at eight thirty at night, completely exhausted, only realizing that I hadn't had lunch or dinner eat a bologna sandwich and then just pass out on the bed to get up and do that again, I was starting to realize like, no, I need to, I need, this needs to change. This needs to change. And I had a conversation with my father and he told me, he's like, you know, because both you, me and mine and your mother are Colombian, you've got birthright citizenship in Colombia. You can go there. You don't need a visa. And I'm like, Oh, for real? Hmm. Interesting. And then I started, you know, I thought about that. And a couple of years previous, I remember I was working with Jones um, and I was a designer on a big project and I was in Columbia for like a cousin's wedding or something. And Jones called me and he's like, I need you to do, do some changes on the artwork because you're the only one that knows how to do it. And I'm like, but I'm in Columbia. Right. I can't do it. He's like, I'll install TeamViewer on your computer here in the office and you just log in and do it from over there. And I'm like, wait a second, TeamViewer for real? And so I remember I went to an internet cafe and something that would have taken me 35, 45 minutes took me like six hours. Mm. But I was able to do it. And this was back in like 2008. Yeah, that was before they really improved the internet situation down there. And that's when that's when it clicked into me. That was like, wait a second, I don't have to be there. Do this. <laughs> I ain't gotta be there. So then, like, that's when the spark got like got set into me. And I remember I was at a party once. Uh, well, I'm getting off track. But long story short, I nah, nah, I man, it, there is no track. We just talking. Just say what you feeling, man. And a next a next girlfriend of mine, I, I bumped into her out here um, last year, and she told me something that that really like made me like really happy she's like i'm so happy for you like, what you mean she's like i remember when we were dating way back in 2007 and 2008 when you came back from that trip where i used team viewer to do that design but you were hyped about one day potentially moving out there mm. and now that you're out there i can see that you're happy uh-huh. and i'm jealous and when she told me that i'm like wow this girl makes money out here. She's beautiful. She's doing her own thing. And she's jealous of me. Because she's probably not happy. Wow. And she's probably not happy. Happiness she is got a everything. Like, <laughs> Your boyfriend's whack. <laughs> but I mean, like, nah. <laughs> it, I can hear it in your voice, man. I really can. But I mean, I'm thinking if anything, you know, because, you know, we were looking at it me and Dante were looking at the prices and it's like yo we got a co-work space coming up so I'm probably going to be out of the office anyways but even if I just want to go and create like I probably still won't be in that office on Fridays like there's no reason for me not to be on the beach when I'm two miles away from the beach doing some work there's no reason for me thank you you just you just nailed it I remember when I was living in Fort Lauderdale I was living a mile and a half away from the beach and I grew up on, you know, in Miami, mm-hmm. and I can remember maybe ten times that I went to the beach, and I'm like, wait a second, why the fuck am I not enjoying this absolutely gorgeous asset that I have literally a mile and a half away from me? You're not enjoying the Same paradise you, like, that people your, travel. Your from. office, 
your office was not even a mile away from the beach, right off, just off of Las Olas. Yeah, it ain't even the office no more, homie. That's the house. I'm up in Deerfield Beach now. I'm I'm east of Dixie. Oh, I'm close that. to US one. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm that's what's up. That's I have no up. reason. It's it's nine minutes to get to the beach now. So there's no reason for me to not get in my car, take the laptop, and just go sit like a blues. It's a blues hotel. It's a five star hotel, and I built a relationship with the guys there. It's easy for me to go there, order some tea, and sit out there and just tip them good to sit out there for the day. But that tea and a sandwich and a ten dollar tip for them to always make sure I got my little parking space and I can sit where I want to, like you said, that peace of mind and just being out there. Um, I have gotten to a point now. I will admit. Um, cause my car is still a place of solace. I, I do love driving. I mean, I'll, uh, I will. That's you. one thing I ain't going to lie. I miss, I'm not going to lie. You know, I, as soon as I got here, I got into my car and I just drove like two hours. Yeah. I, I, I remember I have sports like, cars. I love it. That's one thing I definitely do miss. I definitely do miss about, and all you know, this, I don't have no problem incriminating myself. I love to smoke weed and drive. I, I absolutely you. love to do it. Mine's is just loud and, music, maybe one good shot of whiskey, even if where I get to my destination. But the drive there, shot of whiskey, and making myself sit still so that eases into me and that slow drive home oh, yeah. just listening to some good R&B. You know what I'm saying? So it's like mm. some nights now, yes. I won't do nothing but get in the car. I may go to the gym, but after the gym, just drive out to the beach I have two spaces that I know are normally always open. And it got to a point now, if the cops come out there, they just see me and wave. I just sit there and I can sit right by my car or I can sit right on the bench, just listen to the waves. And it's almost like, and I didn't realize it, that was become, it's becoming my form of meditation. And, you know, yeah. there were so many things in life, like growing up in Panama City, you know, every Saturday night was go cruise on the strip, hang out eat Wendy's, uh, <laughs> try to get somebody to buy you a bottle of Boone's Farm or whatever. But that, that, <laughs> happiness, <laughs> <laughs> that happiness was always there. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, yo, we, we get to a point of life where we stop worrying about being happy. And I, I want to, the, the other thing I did want to touch back on that you mentioned earlier, it's, it, it is something with mental awareness. I'm not going to deny that. But I think it's even deeper if we dive into what's really what one of the problems I have. I don't want to say whatever. I'm just going to talk about me and you. The problem I have was self, I mean, validation, seeking validation from others. Like, oh, man, this person must not have called me to be on this project because I'm not good enough. Or, oh, man, I wonder if my attitude didn't make them feel comfortable versus realizing some people just don't want to mess with you because they don't want somebody around them that's going to outshine them. That could be one thing, or it could just be your own internal demons are telling you that, and the and the op the one hundred percent opposite is true. Right. You know, somebody does want to mess with you, does want to do business with you, but for some reason, for whatever X Y Z reason, that is completely has nothing to do with you. Exactly. The, the deal doesn't. That's and then the you part. start second doubting yourself, like, damn, like, did I do something messed up? Like, and this is my point of view. I'm a high school dropout. I dropped out of high school when I was 16. I have zero advanced education, quote unquote, education. And I'm a that, three year you know, college graduate, but we had. still relate. <laughs> exactly. But what I'm trying to what I'm trying to get at is my personal demons were always like, man, I can't be in that meeting. These are like Harvard graduates. 
these people are top dollars, these top ballers. I'm a high school dropout. I still live with my moms. Right. Like, I'm not supposed to be around these people. And and I don't, and, you know, I was thinking about that actually the other day. I, I'm trying to figure out at what point in my life did things just stop becoming, this is fun, this is yay, this is awesome, to like, wow, I'm nervous about what these people think about me. And I don't know when that happened, but I know it happened in my mid to late 20s. Where, where I stopped having fun and was always just worried and always just like second guessing myself. I, like, maybe I'm not good enough. I can maybe tell you what it happened for me. Point. I remember what it happened for me. And it was a project that I, we called you about to get a quote from you on. Um, it, was mm-hmm. the, it was the Healthy Start Project. This is when I still had my dreads. It was the Healthy Start Project. And we had <laughs> called you to ask you about some billboards and some other stuff. And you gave us the quotes. And I had to put that in my proposal. And Yes, I, I remember some, and I, I designed this dope logo. It was about it was about how to position a baby to sleep so the babies wouldn't suffocate, and I, you know, that was when it was really hard to this. jack images and everything. And so we sent it to you. We was mm-hmm. like, how much would it cost to do this? And in the presentation, the dude was like, "Yo, so you got some of that fire?" And it's nothing against people that smoke, but it was the perception yeah, yeah, that yeah. I smoke weed just because I had dreads. And I don't even smoke. I just started eating THC cookies, but I never smoked. I never, I just, it just never wasn't my thing. I was always a drinker. Wow. And at that point, they, they, like, then three other people come into the meeting and they're just drilling me with stuff that doesn't have anything to do with, like, childcare and my marketing skills. It was, it just felt like a personal attack. And then I realized. And they weren't, and they weren't attacking you. That's, and that's the real part. They weren't, they were just, they were like, "Yo, he's got dreads. He's got to have that fire." Right, and it's and like, they were like they were they were trying to get good with you on the dreads on the weed smoke. And not, again, nothing wrong on the weed smoke, but you were like coming with some real professional, thought out, logical marketing tactics. I wanted to save and babies. I, I was putting together a campaign to save babies from dying. That was my mindset, and I was like, "This should be a lifelong partner because Healthy Start is doing some great stuff." You know what I'm saying? And I, I just felt defended. And then when I realized I had to start, then at that point, like you said, I had to start adjusting myself. And before I knew it, it was like, oh, I got to cut my dreads if I ever want to make money. And like to this day, do I regret that I cut them? Sometimes I do. The other times when I'm in the gym, I definitely don't because it was three pounds of hair and it was causing me to have <laughs> neck problems. But, you know, it's not like I got a small head and you talking about three pounds of hair carrying the head in on my neck. So it was like, part of me but the other part was like i had to uh, i had to change my whole appearance because of a stereotype in miami because if i had dreads in dc or new york it's not a problem but little wayne had came over here and the the culture was changing of how you were perceived if you had dreads and that culture is still changing in south america so like mm-hmm. for example i rock a beard i rock you know the what, what i used to call the, the ross the rick ross it was all clean back then. I didn't have no grays, so it looked good. But mm-hmm. now it's got a couple of grays. I don't really look good that good no more. But I still rock it because I I rather prefer having a beard than being clean shaven. Now in Colombia, that has a perception of being a bum, of being mm-hmm. you know a bad influence, of this, that, the other. And I know I get bad looks. I know I don't get some good deals or get some potential customers involved in things that I'm doing because of my appearance. But I'm past that. I'm like, 
I know I do good work. That's all I care about. I don't care what people, what people's perception is of me. I care what the reality is of me. And the reality is of me that I know how to structure. One of, one of the businesses that I, I got into in, in Colombia is I'm uh, a consultant for a solar generation finance company. We structure industrial scale and commercial scale solar energy projects all over South America. Mm. And from time to time, I'm dealing with people that, you know, are the old money, the, you know, the people that, that look down right. on, on the types of people, on people like me, you know, people like you that kiss the ring kind of people. Get, exactly. Exactly. And you know, what's been funny is when I started this business with my partner, uh, we would get shut out of meetings because of our appearance or because we didn't have the right networks or the right contacts, the right person to make the intros. What's funny, I'm telling you the story is because about a month and a half ago, the new the new president of one of the largest electrical utilities in Colombia approached us and asked us to redesign the pitch that he denied four years ago. Mm. Be, because all the projects that we've structured have made their way back to him and he realized, holy fuck, had I messed with Sebastian and Hassan a couple years back, you would have made six to seven million dollars off of the structure, off the type of systems that they were trying to design for us. And all that money that I could have made went to my competitors. Mm. Sebastian helped my competitors. Now I don't want to miss out on the next change. So they hit me up. We we're repitching a, a, a proposal, and they want to start doing what we wanted to propose to them because we were coming with a different point of view, a different perspective than everybody in Colombia was doing. All the old money stuff was considering doing standard geothermal um, hydroelectric power plants. And we were like, nah, let's new age, new stuff. Let's do solar energy. But we're not going to, they, they wanted to do solar energy with cheap 200 watt panels. I'm like, nah, 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 let's spend real money and let's get 435 watt high energy efficiency solar panels. Seven million dollars later, we now have a deal structure that's going to generate almost 15 percent of the electricity the entire country needs. That's a lot. But yet, you were worried about being a high school dropout. And look at look at the cash money you' talking now. It was and always in you, man. Weed. And I <laughs> and I still rock that Rick Ross. Beat. <laughs> It's got gray hairs in it now, but I still rock. So, man, look, I, I really, I, I know you're here with your family, and I just want to be able to catch up with you, for one. Um, if, if nobody else heard it, I definitely heard it. Thank you for the invitation. I will be down in Columbia within the next three to four months. Um, just go ahead and get our bedroom ready. Tell your tell your maid I'll be there to tell her what we want to eat. Um, I'm definitely making that Yo, trip. You're going to love her. There's a, woman, there's, a woman, there's a woman is the bomb. Like, I wake up. You know, the best thing, the best feeling in the world is when I wake up and she says, well, first thing is like everybody, they don't call me Sebastian out there. They call me Don Sebastian oh. or Doctor Sebastian. Like there's a thing of respect out there. But they want, when I wake up and Emily says, Don Sebastian, usted quiere un café. Do you want a coffee? I'm like, yes, Emily, please. Thank you so much. Wow. And she brings me that coffee and I sit outside on the balcony and I smoke a split and I look at the view and it's like, why didn't I do this earlier? 
<laughs> so all I want you to do is have and prepared. I, I want some chai latte. I want to go somewhere with live music. And I do want us to go out and eat and just talk about life and not about business. That's all I want. I'm, first, I'm going to do a quick three-day trip. Then I'm going to come back again in April for about five to seven days. So for a three-day trip, I'll have a little quick itinerary for you. We'll stay in the city. But on the five-day trip, I'll take you out to my coffee farm. And that's that's where that's where you're really going to enjoy what what the what the opportunities the American dollar brings you once you disconnect yourself from America. All right. So you know what uh, the world don't deserve to hear the rest of this, and I am going to put this up. So we're going to have another conversation offline. But I'm actually going to call you back as soon as I stop this. And uh, actually, I'm just going to stop it and we're going to keep talking. Y'all got to go, but uh, fuck it, the mic is off. I'm going to turn this off. I'll holler at y'all later.